Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. Hello. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I actually just want to take a picture of my parents' faces because I don't think they ever thought their wild child would be standing here in the front. <laughs> My dad is nodding. <laughs> I definitely would not be standing here in the front if it was not for Jesus, that I can tell you. Um, your God has really just gone ahead of me. <laughs> Every single song that we sang tonight, this whole praying for healing is just so aligned with what God has placed on my heart, um, the message that he wants me to share with you tonight. And the message that I'm going to share with you is a very personal one. It is a, a very raw and honest conversation that I recently had with the Holy Spirit. And um, in that conversation that I had with the Holy Spirit, I realized the difference between condemnation and conviction. You know, the enemy wants us to hold on to condemnation because that keeps us in a state of paralysis. It keeps us passive and it keeps us unchanged. But when the Holy Spirit brings conviction, <laughs> it leads to a repentance that leads to lasting transformation. And I can just testify that God spoke to my heart in such a deep way. He cut my heart real bad. <laughs> but it was so good because it has really changed my heart. And um, because of that, the, the title of tonight's message is Love the Sheep, Love the Shepherd. And um, I'm going to share with you the conversation that I had with the Holy Spirit, and then I'm going to take us to a specific piece of scripture, which is actually the exact same conversation that Jesus had with one of his disciples. So basically what went down is Holy Spirit said to me, Dorit, you are not reaching the lost. And then he said to me, why are you not reaching the lost? Why are you not reaching the lost with the gospel? And in that moment, I had to be very raw and honest with him because, you know, you can't hide anything from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you think you can, but he knows it already. But he still required my honesty. So I knew <laughs> there was no point in keeping it to myself. So I just said to him, Lord, because I don't really care about them. I don't have a heart for the lost. I had a heart for my own spiritual maturity. Yeah. <laughs> I had a heart for Christians. But when it came to the last, I didn't have a heart for them. It was a really hard conversation, but it was very necessary. If you have your Bible with you, you can open to John 21, verse 15 to 17. This is the main piece of scripture that we're going to look at. And this chapter is titled, Jesus and Peter. And it's a conversation that Jesus had with Peter shortly after his resurrection. Um, he was starting to reappear to some of the disciples, Mary Magdalene and Thomas. And then he reappeared to, to Peter and some of the other disciples. And after Jesus' crucifixion, Peter, um, who was a fisherman before, decided to go back to fishing. Um, and he said, he said to some of the disciples, I'm going back to fishing. Jesus is in the grave. Who's coming with me? And a bunch of them went went with him. So let's read it together. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
And Jesus said, Tend my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. So what stood out to me as I read that passage was, Feed my sheep and tend my lambs. Now when we think of Peter... We'll remember that I said now Peter was a fisherman before he decided to follow Jesus. Him and his brother Andrew were out fishing for the day. And um, Jesus called out to them and they left their boats and their nets behind to follow Jesus. And at that point he was named Simon, which means reed. But when Jesus called him, he said to him in Matthew 16, he said to him, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So if we look at this conversation, it's easy for us to think that God is speaking to Peter about that calling that he placed in his life. It's easy for us to think that God is referring to the church here. But if we look at John 10, verse 16, Jesus clearly said, I have other sheep that are not of this pain. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and there shall be one shepherd. God was very clear about who the sheep are. And he gave Peter the commandment to tend to the sheep and to feed his lambs. If we look at the original Greek text, if we look at the word tending and feeding, in Greek the word tending means to shepherd, to serve, to watch out for. And in Greek it means tend to the needs, to herd or to give nutrition to. God was telling Peter, take care of my believers and take care of my unbelievers. And what's interesting is both these words in the original Greek, they are in the present imperative tense, which is a continuous tense. It's not a once-off thing. It's not a Sunday thing. It's not a Wednesday thing. It's not a mission trip thing. You see, in this conversation that I was having with the Holy Spirit, he was talking to me about my tending and he was talking to me about my feeding. He was saying to me, Doret, You tend very well to my believers. I'm very grateful for that. But you are neglecting some of my sheep. You are leaving some of my sheep for a once-off thing, for a mission trip thing. God said to me, Dorette, if you love me, it can't remain this way. It can't remain this way. So God was talking to me about my tending and my feeding. You see, I think if my life was a bookstore, then I was stuck in the self-help Christian section. (laughs) And I liked it there. It was comfortable. I was accepted and loved. (laughs) Why would I venture outside of that? God said to me, if you love me, it can't remain that way. But just like my conversation with Jesus, he took me back to this passage. And you'll notice that before Jesus told Peter, tend my sheep and feed my lambs, there was a bigger question. There was the question of, do you love me? God said to me, if you love me, it can't remain this way. So in the English, we only have the word love for love, which is actually a little bit lame. (laughs) The Greeks are like way ahead of us with that. So in the original Greek, we actually have three, three words for love, and they all mean different things. Now, this has been taught to many of you many times. I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but just to give you the background, we've got agape, we've got philos, and we've got eros. Agape is the love of God to us and our love to him because of his love for us. It is also our love towards other people because of his love for us. 
And then we have philos, which is a friendship love, a brotherly love. But agape love is the highest, most deepest form of love that you can get. And then we have eros, which is sexual love. But in the original text, the first time Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you agape me more than these? To which Peter replied, you know that I philos you. Do you see that Peter was being very honest and real with Jesus about where his love was at? Because we can't hide anything from Jesus. So the first time Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you agape me more than these? To which Peter replied, yes, Lord, you know that I philos you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I philos you. God, Jesus said, tend my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you philos me? Do you see what Jesus did there? He met Peter at his level. He went down to Peter's level. He said, okay, I see, you philos me. But do you philos me? <laughs> and then Peter got sad because in that moment he realized that Jesus' love for him was so much more than his love for Jesus. And here Jesus was asking him to tend to his sheep. The third time Jesus came down to his level, he said, Simon, son of John, do you philos me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I philos you. And look at what Jesus did. He said, tend my sheep. He still entrusted him with attending regardless of his lack of love. And God was speaking to my heart, you know. Oftentimes I didn't go out to the unbeliever because I don't have a heart for them. So I'm not going to go and tend to them and feed to them because I don't have a heart for them. There are other people that do that type of thing, evangelists and so on. I'm really good with the Christians. But God still said to him, regardless of your fellow's love, I'm still going to ask you to tend my sheep and feed my lambs. I think in this moment, Jesus was also showing Peter who his source was, you know. Peter completely lacked the level of love that was required to go out for the tending and the feeding. But here Jesus was saying, I agape you, you only philos me. But because I agape you, you can go out and tend my lambs and feed my sheep. Because you can't look to yourself for that love. You don't possess that love. But I do. I do. And God, is, God spoke to me and he said to me, Dorit, if you're going to stay in that comfortable Christian section of the bookstore that you love so much, just because you don't have the, the love that you need to go out, well, guess what? You're going to stay there forever. You need to trust me to fill you with that agape love. You don't have it inside yourself. Let's not forget that Peter was also the disciple that denied Jesus three times. Jesus warned him. He said to him, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And guess what he said to Jesus? How, how arrogant and proud we can be sometimes. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. <laughs> And lo and behold, he was standing outside of the building where Jesus was being held captive, warming his hands by a fire. And they asked him, aren't you one of his disciples? He said, no, I don't know him. Three times. 
God placed a calling on Peter's life. Let's not forget, he said to him, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. But Jesus and Peter was distraught after that. I also think that's one of the reasons why he went back to fishing after Jesus' crucifixion. Can you imagine walking with Jesus, Jesus telling you, on you I'm going to build my church, and then you deny Jesus three times? My goodness, I would be feeling really terrible. But notice the love of Jesus where he knew that if he didn't go to Peter and, and redeem Peter's heart and say to him, I still trust you with a calling, even though you have denied me, and even though you have Philo's love, Peter wasn't going to step out in his calling. How much the love of Jesus, hey? If he gives you a calling, he means business, and he'll come after you. (laughs) And I know that God has called me to do many wonderful things for him, and that's why I had this very intense conversation with the Holy Spirit. What I also like about this passage is God is telling us his love language. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. If you love someone, you do that which fills their love tank. If it's quality time, you give them quality time. If it's acts of service, you give them acts of service. If it's words of affirmation, you give them words of affirmation. You do whatever fills their tank because you love them. Jesus is saying, if you love me, (laughs) feed my sheep. It fills his love tank. I want to fill his love tank, don't you? (laughs) I really do. (laughs) Matthew 25, verse 40. Whatever you did for one of my brothers or sisters, no matter how unimportant they seemed, you did for me. God sees every act of tending and every act of feeding that you do. But let's not forget who that includes. It's both the believer and the unbeliever. It's both the churched and the unchurched. And like I said, I I was very good at tending to Christians. I love, this is my family. You guys have been my family for five years. I love you with all my heart. And God is saying that is a very important part of my heart, taking care of the believers, but it's still just a part of his heart. There's another part of his heart for the lost, and I was missing out on that part. You know, when you marry someone, you marry them for all of their heart, not just a part of their heart. And God was saying to me, you are missing out on a part of my heart, and I love you too much to leave you in that Christian section of the bookstore. I love you too much for that, and I love the loss too much for that to leave you there. Luke 15, verse 6 to 7, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I want to bring heaven to a standstill. I want heaven to rejoice, don't you? Wow, that is so powerful. And that really struck me because I was tending to to the Christians and it's important, but it's not what brings heaven to a standstill. God showed me some things about my heart towards the lost. And one of the things he said to me was, Torette, you lost the joy of your salvation. You have forgotten what I have saved you from. If we look in this text, Jesus addresses Peter as Simon, son of John. Remember I told you he was named Simon in the beginning, which means read. That was his old name. Why was Jesus calling him by his old name? I think Jesus was reminding him of who he was before he got saved. I think he was reminding him of his old life. 
and reminding him of the calling that he placed upon him, that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. You see, I'd forgotten that my first acquaintance with with Jesus was him as my my savior. That was my entry-level meeting with him. After that, he became many other things. But the first time you meet him, you meet him as your savior. And I'd forgotten that. And it took a recent trip to Europe for me to be surrounded by people that did not know the Lord, for me to remember who I was before I met him. All of a sudden, I found myself surrounded by people, and I saw I remembered the, the similar decisions that I made, the way that I tried to fill up the void in my heart with stuff, with experiences, with people, and it always just falling short. I'd forgotten the joy of my salvation. Jesus says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. The first time Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than these. Jesus was talking to Peter right across from those other five, six other disciples. On the shore, right across from that very same fishing boat and fishing net that Peter had left behind when he followed Jesus in the first place. That very same fishing boat and fishing net that he returned to after he denied Jesus. And I can just imagine Jesus pointing towards his fellow disciples and saying, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Some of you in this audience are very dear friends of mine. You are, I consider you family. <laughs> but God showed me that there were times in my life where I feared the opinion of the fellow believer more than I feared the opinion of God. So many times God would show me something for someone that's not in church or someone that doesn't know the Lord. And there was a Christian standing next to me. And oftentimes I would be quiet Or I would not go out because I feared what this person thought of me. Jesus said to me, if you love me, it can't remain this way. Sometimes we fear the unbeliever. (laughs) Sometimes we're too afraid to go up to them and tell them the word that God placed on your heart for that person. Sometimes we're too afraid to go up to the unbeliever and pray for healing. I can also imagine Jesus pointing to to his fishing boat and his net and asking him, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your old life? Do you love me more than that comfortable Christian section where you are so loved and accepted, but you're hiding out there? Do you love me more than that? You see, God wanted to know the level of love in Peter's heart, but he also wanted to know how much he loved him. What was he willing to leave behind for him? Another thing the Lord showed me was where I neglected the joy of my salvation was he showed me, it showed up in two places, my prayer life and how I read the Bible. And he said to me, Dorit, what do you pray for? I said, for myself (laughs) and for other Christians. He said, do you pray for the lost, Dorit? I said, no, Lord, not really, not ever. Really? Said to me, if you love me, it can't remain this way. We pray about what's important to us, and the loss wasn't important to me, therefore I was not praying for them. The other thing he showed me was that I had completely neglected the Gospels. He asked me, Dorit, what do you read in the Bible? I said, I really like 
the New Testament, Ephesians, Corinthians, Colossians, Philippians. He's like, yeah, that's good. It's about the churches and their spiritual maturity. That's good. And what about the Gospels? What is the good news of Jesus Christ? What did Jesus do? He went around praying for the, for the broken, for the lost, for the sick. That was his ministry. Yet I had completely neglected reading the, the main stuff that Jesus was about. So oftentimes, what the condition of our hearts, it shows up in our prayer life and how we read our Bible. God said to me, if you love me, it can't remain this way. I love what John Piper says. He says, you never outgrow the need to preach to yourself the gospel. I had stopped preaching the gospel to myself. God was like, I love you too much to leave you like this. <laughs> what is the gospel? John 3 verse 16 For God so loved the world that that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is the gospel. Our spiritual maturity, those are all bonuses. But the main thing is that we are sinners and we are in need of a savior and that he saved us when we accepted him. That is the gospel. I believed so many lies. I didn't believe that God would actually want to use me. I had faith that God would use me among Christians, but I didn't have faith that God would use me among the lost. You see, faith longs to be rewarded, so you better be careful who you partner it with. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I'd already partnered my faith with the opposite of God's kingdom. I'd already decided, if I reach out to a lost person, it's going to be an epic fail. I'm going to be rejected, and it's going to be awkward. I already made up my mind about that. I partnered my faith with that. But Jesus was asking me, Dorette, can you partner your faith with me? Without faith, it is impossible to please me. So next time, can you trust that I've gone ahead of you? Can you trust that I am spot on with that prophetic word? Can you trust that I will bring healing if you pray for that person? Where are you partnering your faith? Please partner it with me. God spoke to me about my faith and what I believed about tending to the lost. I believed lies about it. God loved me too much to leave me that way. Like I said, I anticipated failure already. God is saying, no, that's not faith. Um, I love what Ben Fitzgerald says. He's the gentleman that's uh, responsible for the Awakening Europe movement. And he had a conversation with a friend and they were busy buying coffee. And this guy said to him, you know what, Ben, I really can't do what you do. I can't can't speak to people like you speak to people. And, um, And then he ordered his coffee and Ben said to him, you just ordered coffee. And the guy's like, yeah. He's like, if you can order coffee, you can tell someone about Jesus. If you can order coffee, you can tell someone Jesus loves them. I think we overcomplicate it sometimes, don't we? John 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus laid down his life for us. And here he was asking Peter to do the same. Here he is asking us to do the same. Peter, 
the guy that told Jesus that he only philosed him, died a martyr's death. He died an agape love death. He didn't possess the love required for the task when he said yes to Jesus in that moment. But throughout his life, Jesus took his love to a point where he was able to die a martyr's death, an agape love death. And Jesus is here today and he's saying, I know you don't possess the love, but can you trust me that I will give you the love required because I possess it? I will place it in you, but it is not of you. It is of me. I didn't have heart for the lost. And I said to God, Lord, I don't have a heart for them. I was honest with them. I was brutally honest. And I said to him, Lord, I'm not really willing to sacrifice my comfort to go after the lost. I really don't want to. <laughs> he said to me, Dorette, a heart for the lost can't be earned. You can't strive for it. It is given. It is given. But there is no transformation without repentance. And at that point, I wasn't even repentant of the fact that I didn't have a heart for the lost. I was aware of it. I didn't want to repent about it. God cannot change that which we're not willing to surrender to him. We have to repent if that is the condition of our hearts. That's the only way we can receive the agape love that he has. And I want to tell you a testimony. I am... Um, the Lord woke me up in March and he said to me, get a bag full of prophetic art and go through Europe and tell people about Jesus. I thought I was crazy. Many other people thought I was crazy, I promise you. Anyway, so the next day I found myself in a travel agent's office buying tickets with money that I don't have. <laughs> and I remember... At one stage, I thought, I'm being seriously disobedient. Like, I'm going to feel the wrath of God. I'm being really disobedient. Like, it was a selfish desire. Anyway, I was flying my, um, to Cape Town. I was flying for a wedding. And um, I was waiting to board the plane. And I said to God, Lord, just give me a sign. If I'm being disobedient, I'll go cancel the ticket. I'll pay the excess fee. I'll say I'm sorry to everyone that I sent an email to. Like, just tell me whether I'm in your will or not, because not being in your will is not a good thing. <laughs> and I, I, I checked in online, so I booked a, I booked a seat prior, so it was seat 11A. And when I got my boarding pass, I saw it was a different seat number than the one that I booked online, and I thought that was weird. Anyway, so now I'm boarding this plane. I am crying because I'm convinced that I'm being disobedient about this whole Europe thing. And I go to the seat that I did not book. And the plane that I was getting on was late. So the people literally got off and I literally just got on. And on the seat that I did not book, there was a two euro coin. And those were the first funds that I got for my Europe trip. God gave me 50,000 rand to go to Europe. 50,000 rand. Anyway, so off I go to Europe and then I was um, on my way to Switzerland um, on a bus um, from Paris. And um, on the bus, um, we stopped at a petrol station and I bought very expensive water and some French sweeties. And then I went back to the bus and they kindly informed me that the bus had broken. So I was like, okay, they said it's a minor problem, they'll fix it within an hour. 
So there I sat with my coffee and my book. One hour became two hours. Two hours became three hours. Eventually I sat there for seven hours. I was annoyed and angry because I'm missing out on precious hours in Switzerland. And then, Holy Spirit, thank you, reminded me that he had sent me all this way. And I said to him, Lord, I know that you are in control and I know that I'm not here for nothing, so please help me. Um, you can go to the next slide. One of my friends, Mariette Loebscher, made me that prophetic art piece for the trip. And she said it was for a young boy wearing something red and he's got a toy truck. And the scripture that went with it was John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world, the gospel. So here I was at a petrol station, very annoyed that I had to wait here for seven hours and miss out on Switzerland, although I know God has sent me on a mission trip. And it was in the seventh hour that they came to call me and say, your bus has been repaired, you must please get back on the bus. On my way out of that petrol station, I saw a mom with a boy with a red backpack and a little toy truck, and she was reading to him a book about trucks. And I went up to them, I said, hi, I don't know you, I'm from South Africa, but last week my friend drew me this picture and she said, as I tour through Europe, I'm going to see a little boy wearing something red with a toy truck, and Jesus wants to tell him that he loves him more than he will ever love that truck. And I shared the gospel with them. Don't tell me Jesus doesn't have a heart for the lost. That he would wake up a South African woman at one o'clock in the morning, have her go through all the motions of being disobedient, give her 50,000 rand, send her to Paris and have her bus break down for seven hours so that in the seventh hour she can preach the gospel to a mom and a little boy. Come on. That is God's heart for the lost. And it doesn't stop there. So I get on the bus. I get tapped on the shoulder by an Australian couple. They happened to stand behind me while I was preaching the gospel to this mom and her little boy. And I shared the gospel with them too. Do you see how our father works? Do you see his hand? Do you see his heart for the lost? But more than that, do you see his heart for the believer? Because he knew that Dorette was stuck in the Christian section and she was missing out on a part of God's heart by not reaching the lost. I'm so grateful to God. I love what Brother Yoon says. He says, we should not beat the sheep, but feed them if we want them to follow. I also had to repent of beating sheep. Sheep that are with me in church and sheep that are outside of church. Yuli, you can come and play some keys for us. As I prayed for, for this church tonight, for this message, I just really sense that God is saying that many of us, the enemy has kept us in condemnation about the lost. Remember what I said, that condemnation keeps us paralyzed and passive. But Jesus is calling us to go out to them and reach out to them. Holy Spirit also showed me so many of us are believing lies. Many of you have, have such beautiful hearts for the lost, but you are stuck behind fear of man, or you are stuck in your comfort. Remember, you return to what you love, so if you love your comfort, you're going to return to it. If you love the opinion of man, you're going to return to it. 
And God is here tonight and he's saying that he is kind of, he's wanting to touch hearts. He's wanting to encourage you because he really sees our hearts and that we really want to reach out to the lost. But some of us are stuck. And he's also asking us to be honest with him, just like Peter. If you only have Philo's love for the unbeliever, he's asking you to just tell him that. It's as simple as that. He just wants your honesty. He can't transform that which you're not repentant of. I was honest with God. I said to him, Lord, I don't have a heart for the lost. I don't. And to be honest, I don't really want one because then I have to leave my comfort zone. God is saying, if you love me, then it can't remain this way. We are missing out on a part of his heart if we're not reaching the lost. Thanks for listening to this message from Shafa Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.